When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Well, hello, everybody. You are listening to Judging Megan with your host, Megan Judge. I am so excited, you guys. This is like a long-awaited, a long-awaited special treat guest, human, friend, brother that I've been waiting to come on the show for a long time. And we finally have my friend Josh Rosebrook coming on the show today. Hi, Josh. How are you? Hi, thank you for having me. It's so uh, exciting to be here. I know. I just, I usually tell a funny story in the beginning of my show. And I, and I would like to tell a story about the fact that I am stuck at home for summer with Sophie and Ella. And I'm just going to bring you on in because you do know, you know, Sophie and Ella, my daughters. And I think like maybe you can just say that. How do you feel about me being stuck at home with Sophie and Ella for this? Um, I feel bad for them. I mean, I hope that you. (laughs) (laughs) That's really nice. Thanks. You're supposed to be on my side, Josh. I'm sure they'll be okay. Oh, God. I mean, they've already been. So we went to um, back east uh, to go to my aunt's funeral and um, saw my whole family. And um, they were so funny. They, especially Ella, hadn't seen. I mean, we hadn't been back east for like four years and so Ella is obsessed with my sister Peggy and that's where we stayed and Ella said she calls her Bubby she's like Bubby we now are going to come to your house and it's going to be called Camp Strawberry and I don't ever want to leave like she is obsessed with Peggy she's obsessed with my nieces and nephews and she calls their house Camp Strawberry which is so cute And and on the way back to like when we were driving to the airport she was hysterically crying really yeah she was telling us how mean we were we were that we were leaving and she wanted to stay at Camp Strawberry so ladies and gentlemen 
I don't know why I say that now all the time. I say ladies and gentlemen, because I always feel really nerdy being like, hey, you guys. Hey, everyone. Well, neither is more inclusive. No, neither is inclusive. Ladies That's, and gentlemen. Oh, you're right. And so hey, what should, isn't inclusive. So what should I be saying? This is a hey, really everyone. good point. Hey, everyone. Do I hey, say everyone. that in the beginning? Did I say that in the beginning? Um, I don't think you said you guys, but like I personally, like I do not like the term you guys. Um, okay. Personally, but then it's, it's exclusive because some people don't want to be referred to as a guy. Um, I always call everyone guys, girls, guys. I, I don't know. know. I think that's where it comes from. Is that's that's what everyone has always done, and so we yeah. you know, say like, oh, well, you know what we mean. It means everyone. Actually, yeah, actually means a guy. And well, so I, I think it's a little sort of just like, um, you know, it's a little sexist. Um, well, I'm glad we're starting the show off on that foot, but I think <laughs> I think you're I think you're right. And honestly, like whenever I can like be educated and learn something, I think it's really important because I don't think that that's something I ever would have thought of. So thanks. I know, but you know, oh my, of course, thank you. But you know what's interesting about that? On that note, is that it's really a part of our culture to say you guys, hey you guys, I know. And you're not, and we don't intend for it to mean what it ultimately means and so i've just sort of every time i say it because mm-hmm. i still do i'll go yeah. you guys and i'll go hey everyone i'll I, I back up and re-say it the way restate it the way i think is appropriate because i think if we don't back up then we don't correct ourselves i well. think that i think that that's i'm so glad you said that because i'm i know that i say it all the time on social media and I know that I say it on pretty much every episode and it's not even something that I've ever thought of. So you know what? But, one of the other reasons why I don't like it is because everyone says that. And so, it's yeah. so like, so I'm like, everyone says, Hey, you guys, Hey, you guys. So anyway, interesting. Well, I am so glad to be schooled within the first minute of the show. You're not done. Everyone, everyone. <laughs> okay. Everyone, on a serious note, this is my one of my very best friends. He's like my brother. We've been friends for years and years. We're going to talk about, actually, before we go into Josh's story, how we met. So I'm going to tell my version, or do I want Josh to tell his version? I don't know. I think I'm um, going to tell my version. Go ahead. Tell your version. Okay. Okay. We're like brother and sister, by the way, so we bicker sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah get ready for it. So, um, about like, I would say we've been friends now for about 15 years. Is that right? Or more? Uh, since the summer of 2007. So, oh my God, you're so smart. How do you know? Okay. (laughs) Anyways. So I walk into this party and this story is actually really funny. So I walk into this party and back, I was, I think I was still dating Ron. I was still dating Ron at that point. And so I see this handsome young gentleman and, um, and, and we kind of like meet. And at that time he was, he was, had broken up, but still friends with his ex-boyfriend who's still like one of his dear friends to this day. And I walk in and he was like, I don't know. We just like immediately hit it off. And he goes, girl, who's doing your hair? <laughs> and, okay. You didn't say it like that, but you were basically like, I, I do hair. I want you to come into my salon. I want to look, I want to do your hair. 
So he, that was he that had was, really brassy highlights. Oh God, Josh, give it me a break! Yeah, it wasn't as though I was like I, I was not rude about it. I was that she clearly, <laughs> I her hair wasn't being done. Um, the to best your to, to to what you thought it, to its potential, best potential. Its potential. Yeah. So the next thing I know, I go into his salon. And then we were kind of like stuck together for years and years and years. And um, just something you should know about Josh is he is self-made. He has his own skincare company that he started on his own. How many years ago? Well, I started making products in like 2002, 2003. And I started selling them professionally after giving them away for many years in 2009. So, okay. Yeah, so, so he was doing hair okay. and he would be like, Hey, Megan, try out this mask that I made or this exfoliator that I made. And I remember him saying to me, I'm, I'm going to start this skincare company. And it's kind of like when you live in LA, it's like an actor or somebody being like, um, I'm going to become famous and I'm, I'm starting out as an actor and you're kind of like, Oh, okay, whatever. But the thing is, is Josh is like one of the one people that I know. And we know a lot of people living in LA. We, we know people that have become successful, but Josh has like definitely surpassed like any success of really anybody I know. And it's all self-made. We're going to talk about that a little bit more, but um, I end by the way, I swear by his products. So for my listeners that have reached out to me and been like, what do you use on your skin? I usually message you back and I, and I tell you that I use only Josh's products, but um, that's how we met. And we've been friends ever since. And we've had lots of fights over the years and lots of makeups. And he's actually like my brother more so than anything else. And like an uncle to my kids. No, so thank you. Do you want to tell your story? Or are you going to okay. say something mean? Yeah, my story. <laughs> <laughs> thank god thank god i can edit this out go on um, it's my it's my show go no, on right it's definitely <laughs> um so it uh so well the uncanny part of it was is that i met you at a party at my ex-boyfriend's house who you were also friends with and i thought that your boyfriend was my ex's new boyfriend <laughs> over my ex so i was feeling jealous with ron your current husband then boyfriend in the room yeah. i yeah. actually thought he was with my boyfriend so there was a little bit of a um you know i was uh, not mentally well anyway and then when i approached you in the kitchen i was like wow she seems really cool and she's funny and oh my gosh and her hair definitely i could you know <laughs> help her out and so, and of course, you thought, uh, and you thought that Ron, I was Ron's beard. I just thought you were Ron's like friend. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. So, yeah. um, so yeah. And so that's how it started. <laughs> and then what's funny enough is that obviously she came to me and I started doing her hair and that was for many years. And I think it was after that, it was three years after that was when you introduced me to my next boyfriend, which was Philippe. And he was somebody I was with for eight years. So she actually introduced me to one of my life partners and someone who, you know, helps me to this day, who is a partner in my skincare company. And we're very close friends and work very well together. Um, we've since broken up, but, um, 
but he's a very close friend of mine. But yeah, you introduced me to somebody who is extremely important in my life. I mean, there's a reason why like we were brought together. Also, no, there's, not. there's no reason. It's absolutely okay. means nothing. No. <laughs> You're such an idiot. Um, there is guys- a reason, of course, and it's because we're meant to be friends and we are family friends and yeah. um, it's amazing. And I'm grateful for meeting you. And I'm so grateful for you and your support with the line. You've been using it for years and years and years and you've promoted it to family and friends and people everywhere all the time. It's a little overwhelming and I'm so truly grateful for your support over the years. And I know that you do that because you know that it's such an effective line. Well, so I mean, you. honestly, I, I, it started out like, you know, I, I am super vain. We'll, we'll go into that because we're both very, we care about our physical appearance. We both are care about animals. Like a lot of the things that we think about and care about are very similar. Um, but I, like he said, I, and I, I love that you say it's the best because it really is. I'm actually 108 years old. People don't know this about me. And um, we're only 95. I'm, I'm 108. I know it's <laughs> shocking. And, um, and, you know, if I've had times throughout, like I sound like I'm in an infomercial, but I've had times like where I couldn't get something. I mean, definitely Josh's shipping is like faster than any other company, but um, like say I've run out of a product, I can immediately tell on my skin and it's, so I'll, I'll go more into this, but it's not, it really is the best product that I've ever used. I've tried pretty much everything. It's also organic. So it's really good for your skin. It's good for the environment. Um, and I just, yeah. So. So if I didn't like it, like I like you, but I'd be like, oh, because, you know, you have a ton of people always trying to get you to use their products. But this is one that I will tell you guys, you will not be sorry. I have pimped it out to pretty much everyone that lives within this local radius. My friends at home that from growing up use it and it's amazing. But enough about the products and how we met. But what I really want to go into is um, is your story and like how you got to be this person, Josh, that I love and where you grew up. Like, let's start from the very beginning. Okay. Let's talk about your family and how you grew up. Okay. Um, I grew up, I was born and raised in Portland, Oregon. Um, my parents were actually raised here as well. Um, I do live here now after 21 years in Los Angeles. I actually just relocated here um, for the time being. Um, last February, and it's been really, really amazing because Portland's a really incredible place, and I really appreciate what it has to offer nowadays, Um, but I can get more into that later, Um, and I do spend a fair amount of time in Southern California because my company is based there, but I was born and raised in Portland, and, um, you know, to a very loving middle-middle-class family, my parents... um, uh, grew up here, as I said, and, um, you know, as I grew up going through elementary school and, you know, obviously a big part of my life was the fact that my identity, um, I identified, you know, as a male at the time and I, you know, knew that I was gay at a very young age. And, um, 
you know, that's especially in the 80s when I grew up, it was a very different time. It's not like it is now. Of course, I felt better about it then than I did uh, the previous generation who paved the way for us. The, um, you know, the people who came out of the closet, you know, in the early part of the 20th century, who, you know, our, our history, who paved the way for us to make it easier each generation um, um, when it came to equality and fighting for our rights and civil rights and so forth. So I'm so grateful for that. But growing up in Portland was, um, it was really challenging for me. It was very challenging. You know, I didn't, I was a very shy kid. I felt like I knew that I had a lot of insight. I was very self-aware, but it's very difficult when the world doesn't like you for something that is part of who you are and is inextricable from who you are. And I think that's where trauma happens. That's where pain mm-hmm. happens. And that's definitely what happened to me because when society in the world is telling you that, um, what you are, which is gay and not your choice, um, because I tried to make it go away. I tried to pray it away for many, many years and um, it didn't work um, because it's not supposed to go away because it's your purpose. It's part of why we're here. Um, it's part of it's part, part of your part of your being when you say it's when actually. You s- you know, I don't know if it's part of my being as much mm-hmm. as it is. It's part of my essence and who I am and my soul expression in on this planet now. Because I yeah. think what people don't realize is that there's no mistakes. You know, there's a reason for everything. And, you know, getting a little bit less general than that, it's about, you know, it's that gay people on this planet are part of the balance of humanity. Mm -hmm. Um, we diversify reality and energy and we blend and balance masculinity and femininity and we bring different expression onto this planet that is not just limited in the binary construct of male female and that's part of like you know just what species need to evolve and so being gay is not it's not an accident it's not a choice it is part of the purpose of humanity and i think that's what people forget and when you're a kid and you're young you just feel like it's a curse and you literally want to crawl into a hole and die and that's why so many young kids um, contemplate suicide because even still today and the highest suicide rate is that of gay kids um, and yeah, especially- let, let me just ask you really quickly. Not, I'm sorry to interrupt. What when you say you knew really young? And, and- I knew really young because I was attracted. I think it was when I was seven years old. I real rem- I realized having feelings. To- I had feelings towards women, but I also had feelings towards men. Um, and I, I remember having that feeling. It was like a crush feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I remember like wanting more male energy close to me. And I don't know if that goes into, you know, stuff that I still work on today that has to do with my parents and like my dad. And like, did I get totally what I, did I get absolutely what I needed emotionally from my father figures in life or not, but that didn't determine me being gay. That just means where my emotional needs met, but moving forward, I knew I was attracted to boys. And then as, as it got, as I grew up, um, I just, I just had an intuitive knowing and I'm different. Not a lot of people know that, but I'm very intuitive. And so I had that knowing and then I started hearing people talk about gay and, you know, they would use the F word and, 
they would, you know, and, and I would wonder, what is that? And then when they would explain what it was to be gay, uh-huh. I remember just going, that's me. That's were, me. Were, were, when you say that, were people like, were, were you bullied at a young age? Uh, yes and no. Um, so what happened was when I started to realize what gay was, you mm-hmm. started to realize that how deeply connected to it, it was to being wrong disgusting and not what you wanted. So your first awareness of what it was, was that it is the worst thing to be. And when I say that, I know that I'm leaving out a lot of other things about what's quote unquote bad to be or what people don't think would be a a terrible card in life or whatever. So I'm not saying an absolute. I'm just saying that In our society, especially then, and still to a large degree now, um, as a kid in a group or a class or in society, being gay and in a family is one of the worst things that you could be. It it really is seen that way. And I know that, you know, there are other, there are many other things, but so growing up for me, you know, if you... I'm not trying to compare other things, but when when you're when, but when you're when you're seen as gay and people think you're gay, you're seen as disgusting. And for a kid, that's traumatizing because you can't get that off of you. You have to either you have to suppress yourself, you have to pretend to be something else, you have to deny it, and which you're denying your truth, who you are. You so it becomes this constant energy game that what I am is not right, and I have to hide it. I have to deny. It and it makes me angry. And so you become angry and you become bitter and you try and find ways to defend yourself and stick up for yourself. And on top of it, you know, it makes you retreat within yourself. And so for me as a shy kid, it made me not want to talk. So you don't get to express yourself in a healthy way because as soon as you start talking and you have a little bit higher pitched of a voice or your mannerisms are even slightly effeminate, you get ridiculed and bullied and teased so much that you stop talking and it freezes you. So it really stunts you emotionally and it's really traumatic. And it's literally the hardest thing that I would never want any kid to have to go through it. Um, I do feel like I was protected. Um, and then, you know, and I don't, I, I just, the only way I look at it is through like in an angelic sense, because I was, I went to a good school and even though I was made fun of and teased, I was never beat up or really hurt or, you know, I never got hurt. And I'm really grateful for that because I think that that would have really, really wounded me even more so. That co- That's like the epitome of like trauma, so many gay kids go through that they're beaten yeah. up and that amount of trauma stays yeah. with you. I've talked about it cause I've had multiple, um, multiple gay friends of mine on the show. And, um, I've told a story and I know you've heard this when I used to sing and dance on that cruise ship. And I remember I was young. I was probably like in college and there was a guy, a guy friend that I had made that summer. And he was like, you know, I'm, I'm in this fraternity. Um, I, my parents don't know. Uh, I wanted to kill myself because I've had to be somebody that I'm not for my, like pretty much my whole life because he knew as a young boy as well. And I just think, I just think like 
what there it came out in the news yesterday. Some professional football player came out in the news um, and said that he was gay. And I, and all these people are like, oh, it's so brave. And it is so brave that he did that because there's very few. There's a lot of gay professional football players, but very few that can come out. But the reason why I think it's so important is I would like to see us. And this is all like very Pollyanna, but I think it is like changing where people don't even have to make an announcement on the radio or the TV that they're getting. They always will. They always you will. You think because, so? Yeah. I know that yeah. it's inspiring and I, and I, and I'm right there with you, but they always will because we're always going to be on minority and because sexism is real. It all comes down to, um, you know, in our, in our culture and society, you know, the idea and is held up women are better than men. And so anything that emulates a woman is less than, and mm-hmm. gay men are less than straight men because in, in, because we are seen as that we are less of men because we're gay. And yeah. so when you're seen of less of a man, you're seen as less is, is not equal. And so you're always going to have to come out because you're going to have to reclaim that, which has been taken away by the idea, you know, perpetrated against you, you know, and it's like, you know, when I was, young, you know, I never got hit physically beat up and that would have really been hard. And that happens to a lot of kids. And I'm so grateful that didn't, but you know, the closest I got, well, I, I contemplated suicide for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but this is something to remember the only time I got that close to actually thinking about it and, and wanting to die was when I was in the worst bullying situation I'd ever been in. So if it wasn't for the bullying, it wouldn't have been as bad because I wouldn't have gotten that close and contemplated taking my own life because of the bullying. That's what pushes kids to, and that's a lack of acceptance. That's a, that's a parental thing. That's where like, what are we teaching our kids? I did have many friends in middle school that, that stood up for me and, you know, it was those kids. And this is about bullying because it's people who step in and stop hate and violence from happening that make just as much of a difference than the negativity and the hurt and the pain and the trauma and that leads to from people that perpetrate the violence against people um, for whatever reason. But like I had people stick up for me um, and that is, that's like having guardian angels around you. But that's like, like that makes like all the difference. Oh, it does. Because there's you so don't many feel like stories. You have you yeah, feel there's like you have nobody. You feel like yeah. nobody's supporting you, that you're that nobody likes you and everybody thinks you're disgusting and people don't want to be friends with you. That's way too much for any kid to carry and try and process. Like I like literally in the eighth grade was the hardest for me. I had no friends. I had no friends. I had to eat my lunch every single day by myself because I had nobody to eat lunch with. And I had nobody to hang out with on the playground because nobody would hang out with me. And I had friends in classes because they knew I was cool and we could talk because our desks were next to each other. And it was safe enough for them to like talk to me in class, but not be associated with me being their friend on the playground or at the lunch Cause, table. Because they, they were 
scared that they would be well, you'd be associated, or associated with you. Yeah. With you. So they could yeah. chat you in class, but they're not going to be seen with you at the same lunch table and they're not going to be with you on the playground. So, you know, to be 14, 13 years old and have to be by yourself, I used to go to the library all the time because I couldn't handle the trauma of being alone. You know, we're creatures of tribe and culture and togetherness. And when, and when you're isolated and you're not accepted and you don't belong, like it hurt me so bad, but guess what? You know, I look at it and it's just like, oh my God, I can't believe I made it. It's so not natural and healthy, but like, I look at it and I'm like, that's what gives you the strength. Like my success today is all because of, of, of the trauma that I went through because you, you, you work really hard to prove that you're worthy, to prove that you're valuable, Mm -hmm. to prove that people like you, to prove that you're accepted, to belong to something. So my life path became proving. And when you prove, when you work to prove all things to yourself and to, and to reality, you achieve a lot. (laughs) So, yeah, I think that, I think that in general, I mean, it's different, but kids can be so mean. And and a lot of times this, this behavior is taught by the parents. It is so absolutely. it is a hundred percent taught by the parents. Pass. You yeah. do not get a pass. It all no. comes from the family. And if your kid is bullying another kid, there is something you have not taught them, or there's something that you have not corrected because you know, and I know that there, you know, there can always be, you know, exceptions, but those would be very few and far between. But I really do believe that it's taught. Hate is taught and allowed. And and I will say, too, that I when I, when you experience I caught myself in a situation back east and um, somebody said something to me about um, they said something like, there's a law that's going into effect where two gay dads can't somebody's fighting some law in the Supreme court where two gay dads can't adopt a boy. That's like something that I, from a specific foster organization that is Catholic, that it doesn't agree with their religious idea. And that's what it is. But what's so, what's, what's so uh, just, twisted about it is the uh-huh. fact that like the same organization doesn't believe in abortion, but wants kids to be alive and live lives, but then won't allow them to be adopted, to have a family by loving people. Okay. Religious. Re- so it's like, but let me just, let me just say something. Cause you know, I'm Catholic and you know that I, that as a Catholic, I'm very, I talk about this on the show. I think I have several times. Um, I'm back and forth because I, I have obviously very, most of my friends happen to be gay and for them to not be included in my church and accepted, I have a very difficult time with it. Um, and I, and I have questioned my faith numerous times over the past few years, especially with all the stuff I've gone through. But what I will say is when I I caught this person saying this to me, And I said, listen, I know gay parents and they are better parents than my friends that are straight parents. The the opportunity that these, it's not an easy thing to become. It's it's parenting. It's not sexual identity. No. And so I had to like basically, and it's, that's my point. It's an uncomfortable conversation. But if you, 
go through life and somebody says something to you and you don't, you're like, that's not true. That's effed up. Somebody says something racist to you. Somebody says something homophobic to you. Somebody says something, whatever it is, whatever is not right. I think that people in general need to take a stand and they need to go, no, I don't agree with you. And here's why. And I've said this many times as well, that the only way to, um, to change a, a bigoted or prejudiced opinion is to live or to work with somebody that is different from you. And I think that if more people did that, they well, would understand. That yeah, it is that, but it's... I mean, maybe that's very Pollyanna of me. Yeah, but well, I know it's, that's, that's the basic part, live and work with them, but it's yeah. questioning your thoughts and feelings and your microaggressions and questioning your... Um, uh, beliefs about, you know, yeah, it's, but it's, but, the, it, but again, it, it, the high suicide, the high rate of suicide within the gay community still to this day, because you're not accepted or you're bullied because you're different. Um, this all, this all comes from the top. This comes from your church. This comes from your priest. This comes from your pastor. This comes yes. from your grandparents. This comes from your parents. This is all about educating, um, educating ourselves. Yes, and, and, we're, and we're evolving, but yet, yeah, like the church in many ways is just keeping it in place and they don't understand how that actually creates violence. How do mm -hmm. people, people say, oh, how does not allowing gay, not believing in gay marriage create violence? Okay, let me explain how it creates violence. Why is that violent? Because people don't seem to understand it. And I'll explain because I've lived it. And a lot of people and a lot of marginalized groups live it. But this is how when you sit when when there's a law that says, OK, gay people can't get married or gay people can't adopt children from our foster organization because we're a Catholic foster organization. That seems very sort of just like, oh, it's it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. It seems like, well, we just don't believe that. Right. But actually, that is actually violent because. When you tell people that they're not equal, what happens is that people then believe, oh, they don't, they can't do it because they're not as good or they're not equal. Then when people are seen as less equal, what are they seen as? Less than. When they're seen as less than, people don't like them. People don't accept them. People don't allow them. People don't bake cakes for them. When you're seen as a secondary or a less than citizen, then people then people say names to you. Then they call out a little louder and then they start tripping you and then they start punching you. Then they start beating you. That's yeah. how it leads to violence. And people need to realize that inequality leads to violence. Okay, it's but I will say, I will say this because I've talked to priests about this. Um, this is something, this, my, my Catholic, my, this is my religion. This is my part of my identity. I was born at Irish Catholic, uh, Roman Catholic, like my whole life. This is all I've known. And um, I will tell you that I have had conversations with Catholic priests that don't agree. I, and I will say, and I will say that, that it's almost like going to church. I know you and I have talked about this before, and you go and you walk in the church and because I do go to mass and and to me, my spirituality is the most important, one of the most important parts of my life. That doesn't mean 
that I don't disagree with things within the organized church. But my relationship with God, my own relationship, is something that has gotten me through my hardest periods of my life. What I will say is when I walk into the church and I see somebody in the first, second row and they are what they are not a nice person, right? Maybe they're not nice because they had they have deep trauma wounds from something else in life. Who knows what it is, but I know the things that and that they have done. And then I sit there and I'm like I have friends that are the best people that I know that are kind and do stuff for the for the world and do stuff to help others. And these same people that are some of the best people that I know are being told that they're not good people because of what, how they were born and who their soul. Well, well because your- of how they were intentionally made by God. Like yes. it's all just a misinterpretation. And, yeah. and it's, it's like, it's, you know, when you said that your some Catholic priests that, you know, they don't believe in, um, they, they support gay people and gay rights and, um, and all of that. Um, you know, that to me is just like, it just shows how it it just shows the cracks in the religion. Like if the religion is the religion and this is what it is and it's so powerful and it's so important, shouldn't they all be on the same page about what it, what is right and what is wrong? Cause that's sort of what gives everybody their construct to live within like so it's like something as huge as some people saying that you know gay people are going to hell and then some people saying no they're not like it it's just it's just interesting to me and i just think that you know you know i don't think that i don't think that religion is on the right side of history with this and i think that it has to do with you know um you know a way that people choose to interpret the Bible. And I think it goes to the egoic nature of humans and wanting to have people below and people to hate. And, you know, I don't know, there's a lot of history to look at, but it's very interesting. I mean, I think that we could talk about this for seriously for four and a half hours. And I don't think that anybody wants to, well, maybe they would want to listen to a four and a half hour podcast, but I doubt they would want to hear my voice for more than an hour. Um, um, Absolutely. let's, let's kind of like take a, a pivot, pivot, pivot. Um, um, I just wanted to say pivot cause I was laughing. Cause remember that episode of friends where Ross is like pivot. Yeah. Okay. I just watched it anyway, that episode. Um, so as you like, kind of like, you know, grew up left, what, why did you decide to go to LA? Was it just because as an adult, like you were wanted something different. You didn't want yeah, to. You know, okay. um, when I was um, growing up in Portland, I, it was, it's a wonderful city to grow up in. It's not too big. It's not too small. It has a lot of, of sort of cosmopolitan offerings, but doesn't, didn't at the time have a lot of the big city problems. So it was very utopian almost to grow up here. Um, and it was very beautiful, but then I also felt like a lack of opportunity. I just felt like I knew I was supposed to go somewhere else. So I moved to New York in the early nineties and lived there and then moved back to Portland and because New York wasn't right for me at the time. And then 
I was just drawn towards California my whole life and moved to LA. And really it's, I went to, I was always into beauty. I started cutting people's hair when I was a kid. You know, my connection to feeling accepted by people was, you know, powered by doing their hair and making them more beautiful. And so it made me feel as though, um, you know, if I make people beautiful, I'm always going to be liked. I'm always going to have friends. And so it, uh, so I was, I was very connected to my path in beauty. And then I went to, in, then I went to beauty school and cosmetology school and studied skin and hair. And, you know, I had a lot of talent. And so at that point I was like, you know, Portland had a ceiling and I was like, it's not happening here. I'm going to LA because, you know, I want, I knew I needed to be in, you know, the bigger cosmopolitan cities to do something really substantial with my life. I really wanted to conquer. I really wanted to, I had goals. I wanted to uh, accomplish and succeed. And I didn't in, in a very sort of like, um, uh, exceptional way. And I, that was just part of me again, when I go back to what we were talking about earlier, like I was doing that to prove my worth because as a child, I didn't feel like I was uh, validated for being worthy. And so I was really ready to go out to the world to prove my worth to myself and to the world, you know, a little rewind. My parents were really amazing and always have been very supportive and very loving, but they also didn't give me the encouragement and the validation the way I think I needed. Like they didn't tell me I was smart. They didn't, you know, they didn't tell me, um, they didn't tell me the things I think I, that would have helped me. They just loved me, you know, and that you, in that sense seems like enough. And I could criticize, you know, we can all criticize what we did get or what we didn't get. But like, um, you know, I, I was really, choosing to prove to to the world that you know that I was smart and able and that I had wisdom and brilliance that I could express and create with and so I went to Los Angeles and you know um I knew I was home as soon as I got there and it just felt right and I did you want- did you park yourself in West Hollywood um uh, well I was in Hollywood um okay and um you know and I did, I had I think I had a thousand dollars and I was in my old 1998 Jetta. I mean, it was only a year old at that point. So yeah. it was new. Yeah. So I, and, um, you know, I got a room for rent from somebody who I met at the Abbey and he turned Love out it. to be a nice friend. I lived with him for like two months and until it was kind of weird and I knew I needed my own place, but, um, you know, I didn't have any money and I was broke and I was, you know, just trying to make it. And, um, I got a, a, an apartment in the miracle mile and, um, I ended up living, you know, in the same apartment building that was rent controlled for like 10 years in LA anyway. But the point is, is when I got there, um, I wanted to express myself with music and, you know, I think it's healthy for anybody you know, at a young age to not put limits on what you want to do with your life and don't feel like you have to do one thing to explore different things, to find your creativity, be, you know, choose to be a writer, be an actor, be a singer, do be an artist, choose to be these things like, you know, try and get your bills paid. I think it's really healthy to live an artist's lifestyle for kids because you figure out who you are, what you are, what you're good at and what you don't want to do. And that's, a really great way to start your life out when you're in your twenties so that you know, and you've experienced what you want and what you're good at and what you want to focus on. So I focused on songwriting and I had a couple songs on universal records. And so I did that for a few years. And then I just, obviously I had my license in hair and I was talented and I was 
cutting people's hair in my apartment for years. And that's when I started making my skincare products because I literally could not afford to buy products. So I was like, well, let me look at the ingredients on these products and see if I can make them myself. So I started making them myself in my kitchen and I was getting great results. Wait, I want to stop you for one second. Do you remember when you told me when you were like growing up, you would say, I used to always go into like, that, like Bath and Body Works or some, some, one of those stores. The body shop. The Um, body shop to to figure out like all of the different products. So I jumped ahead to my story getting to Los Angeles. But before that, when I was, when I was in high school um, and I was into beauty products, I would go to the body shop. And that was where I felt the most accepted because and so I thought it, where I resonated with it the most because the body shop's branding was not just to women. It was very gender neutral branding that was saying, you know, this is made for everybody, not just for women. And before that, beauty products seemed to be only marketed to women and that didn't I didn't identify, so I didn't feel included. And that's why I have a brand today that is so inclusive and so gender neutral because it's it's not about women or men. It's about people. It's about everybody using beauty products to have their healthiest, most beautiful skin. It's not about women or men. And so that's why my brand is the way it is today because of the body shop. And I was looking, I was using the products, you know, the carrot moisture cream, the cucumber toners. I love that you remember it all. Oh my, Because it impacted me so deeply yeah. because it yeah. made me feel as though I was being, I, I had a place. I know that sounds really dramatic, but no, when I something's marketed to you and you don't feel like you fit in and it actually is marketed to you. It's almost like the clouds part or, you know, that there becomes a place for you. So it was really validating and it only affirmed my place in beauty, but I used those products all through high school. I didn't tell anybody because you don't tell people that you're using beauty products as a, you know, seemingly guy in high school. So that paved the way. But so when I was broke and trying to get skincare products in LA in the early 2000s, I just started looking at the ingredients and going, you know what, I can make this. Let's see what happens when you mix olive oil and almond oil and shea butter and beeswax together. Well, you make a really incredible, effective moisturizer that doesn't cost very much. You know, it wasn't very luxurious, but it was, you know, it did the job. And so I started making these products, but I was an assistant in Beverly Hills at a high-end salon. And, you know, I couldn't pay my car payment. My credit cards were, you know, so, you know, it's like being, I think it's really good for kids to be out in the world and, you know, and really go for what you want and make sacrifices and, um, and to fail, you know, this is where, you know, I ended up going bankrupt, um, you know, early in, uh, when I, in my twenties, because I couldn't pay the credit cards and I, you know, it was so challenging and, you know, people, you know, you learning about money is a whole other thing, but, um, you know, that failing is a really important part and that like, you know, our failures really do build us to who we are. I don't think I would have the respect and understanding of money today is if I didn't go through such hardships early in life. But, um, so I love, I love something that you said towards the beginning of the show and you said something like, um, you know, if I wouldn't have gone through like the bullying or like whatever it was, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. Um, or I, if you wouldn't, and it just makes me think of if you wouldn't have gone through like the hardships of, you know, 
living in that apartment and having no money and driving into LA, you know, leaving New York, figuring yourself out. I think it's so true that you have to, um, you know, I, I know for me, same thing. I mean, it's a little bit of a different story, but I grew up in Potomac, Maryland in a country club kid going to boarding school and then came out here, had nothing, but, yeah, no, you know, like I was, I was chasing a dream. And, yeah, and I days, don't think that that's actually, you know, and I agree with you. It's just like yeah. people don't like people should realize that it is not easy at all to make it in life. And kids, mm-hmm. kids need a leg up and kids need help. It's hard to make it and become successful even to a small degree in life. But like, you know, when you say the bullying and all of that, I wouldn't take it back for the world because it built me into who I am. It made me an extremely empathetic person that cares about people's feelings and cares for people um, all the time, no matter where I am, animals, people, and, mm-hmm. where, you know, so these things, they, they're, the silver lining is always good, but you know what it's like, you know, when somebody dies early on in your life, it's the most tragic thing ever, but it makes you, it makes you care about life more. So the it, makes, silver lining, it makes you empathetic. Like something about you is what you were there for me. Like, you know, you're not now physically here all the time, but when I was struggling or when you have struggled in life with different things um, where we've had like, whether it be breakups or I had my issue with the friend stuff, empathy is so important and not everybody has it. And I feel like the people that I know in life that have just been, and it's not to say everybody has their own struggles, but I know that my closest friends really are the people that have had some kind of something that they've had to go through in life. I think I purposely am drawn to those people now because I know those are the people that are usually the most empathetic and genuine and genuinely care about other people and different things. Um, Something that I love about you and, and and for the sake of time that I really want to like talk about is um, your, your like love of, animals and your love of, uh, you know, making sure that your products are, you know, uh, good. Thank you. Do you mind talking about that? And then also you kind of touched on it briefly, but, um, I love that you use, uh, trans models in your, in your advertising, in your campaigns. I think it's so important. I did an episode, um, pretty recently with a, a, a mother of a trans, um, child. And, um, and it really taught me a lot. And I, and I've had people follow up with me and say, wow, like I never knew that. So I think that this is an educational, um, it's a way for people to understand, but do you mind touching on that? Representation matters. And I started using trans models, um, many years ago, I think like seven years ago, um, because it's important to give work to marginalized communities that need representation. And um, I want to support and always have and always will the trans community. But one of the things that I think, you know, we're talking about empathy and we're talking about trans people um, is that 
the world needs to become more empathetic, but they also need to realize that like trans people, like gay people, they do not choose to be transgender. It's not like, oh, I want to go and, um, you know, it's not something you choose. Yes, you, you choose to transition if you're transitioning, but you don't choose to be a transgender person. This is who you are. You're bo- they're born in the wrong body. And mm-hmm. um, they identify um, as another gender than what their biological gender is. And, you know, one of the things I think that can help people, like you could, you know, we could all be, um, we could all be transgender. Like, you know, it could be you. And how would you want to be treated? And the thing that I always try to remember and try to help people remember is like, everybody is a person. Like, it doesn't matter what genitalia you have. We are souls. What matters more? Nothing matters. Who cares what our flesh looks like and how we want to express ourselves or how we want to dress or how big or small or old or what color we are, what skin tone? You know, I know I'm not not addressing um, racism and sexism and ageism, but I'm saying that we are souls. And so I think it's really important for brands to... um, give work to the trans community and to elevate especially black trans women because they're the most perpetrated against when it comes to violence and murder um, um, against any other marginalized person um, today. So it's really important to um, uplift the community, support the communities and to give them work and to, um, and and to celebrate. Um, So, that's always been a part of my brand and it always will be um, because obviously it's deeply connected to just me wanting um, people who don't identify as male or female to feel like that um, they're still valued as a person. And, and also something that I like, why, like, why does it bother you? Like, like, first of all, you don't even know half the time that you're talking or dealing with somebody that's trans. People so, don't like what's different. People they don't like what's different. And it doesn't make sense to me that you can't just be like, it is what it is. But that's like in a perfect world. But I, I just think that's so important. Um, what One of the reasons, of the many reasons that I love your brand is because you do do that. Um, and, and I... And I also love that you, you, everything that you represent as a brand really is what you are about as a person. And so there's so many like layers to you that I wish there were, was more time to talk about, but like, you're not just like serious all the time. You're not just like, you're funny, you're funny, funny, funny. We have like to pivot, we have so many like times where we'll just be like on the floor laughing because we like to do characters and make each other laugh, which is, I talk about this a lot. Laughter is like one of my favorite things. It's what's gotten me through so much in my life. And Josh, um, I'm going to tell my audience that you have a TikTok account and it is one of the funniest things because you're not just like this one, like I'm a serious businessman. I'm a, like a skincare mogul that's been like written up in Vogue and in style. And um, like every magazine that you can probably think of, I brag about you all the time because I really also love your products. But this 
TikTok account where you imitate the Kardashian family is one of the funniest things. What is the TikTok account so people can follow you? Um, it's so it's, funny. It's, well, thank you for appreciating it. I just think that it's good to remember that like, you know, everybody expects people to do one thing like actors yeah. need to act, singers need to sing and, and, you know, but we should all be allowed to express ourselves, you know, and obviously I have a brand and that brand does express and represent who I am. And so, you know, TikTok is really the platform to sort of express humor. And, you know, I like connecting with people and yes, it's about skincare and I'm extremely passionate about skincare and hair care, but um, yeah, so I put a few um, um, impersonations up there or, <laughs> or impressions of, uh, like, I don't know, the Kardashians I'd love to do. I did. And one you did Oprah. an Oprah one. Um, Oprah one's funny. I thought that they're just really fun to do. But I also, yeah. I like, I think to, you know, we have to constantly listen to ourselves and what's right for us at any given time, what's healthy for us. And I think, you know, part of being a really creative person is just like expressing myself and, um, I love wigs and I love um, <laughs> characters. I love characters. So, Me too. I think that's why we get along so well for many, many reasons. Many but reasons. Many reasons. Um, Josh, I call you Joshy. I love you. Love you I'm too. So, I'm so grateful that you came on the show. Um, I think where, where can people follow you? Where can people find you? Um, oh, you know, talk about, talk about, talk about like what the website. Um, my website, joshrosebrook.com is obviously where you can find all the products. And if you have any questions, you can email me, josh at joshrosebrook.com. Um, also, Instagram. I, I run my Instagram account, so I'm pretty accessible there. It does get a little overwhelmed, so I would say, you know, um, give him some time keep to trying. answer. No, yeah, keep trying. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But so Instagram and TikTok. TikTok is actually I'm probably more accessible on TikTok. So come to TikTok. Josh Rosebrook is my handle. Um, uh, but um, other than that, you know. I don't know. Thank you for this time. It's really awesome to explore and talk about my story and all that stuff that I don't talk about often. And I mean, I'm just so happy to be here with you. This podcast is amazing. Well, thank you. I, I mean, I try to, I always want people to know that there's other views. There's ever, we all have different religions. We have different beliefs. Um, try to keep an open mind in life. It's so important like with the way that our world is right now, if people had more of an open mind, we wouldn't be in the situations that we're in. Um, try to be more loving and accepting. I'm, I mean, this is stuff that I'm working on myself. I'm heavily flawed. I talk about it all the time, but I'm just so grateful, you know, to have my, my closest relationships, my, my best friends, they're my family. They're the family I choose to have. And Josh is one of them. And in closing, thank you, Josh. I love you. Keep living, keep praying, and keep growing. 
Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.